girls, listen up. You can be anything in the world, and God we trust. An architect, doctor, maybe an actress, but nothing comes easy. It takes much practice, like I met a woman who's becoming a star. The 2003 hit, I Can, by Nas, may have been aimed at children, but the message of hard work to achieve your dreams is relevant to anyone still involved in that pursuit. Success is a product of hard work, practice, and recognizing and taking advantage of opportunities, particularly stretch opportunities. Sean Elenry went from a homeless high school dropout to an award-winning executive in tech and keynote speaker. Turning his life around inspired him to help other professionals achieve their own goals through his organization, Corporate Dad. But that transformation didn't happen overnight and required Sean to perform and grow in various stretch opportunities. This week on Next in Q, we discuss what defines a stretch opportunity? Sean's most challenging stretch opportunity. Benefits to offering stretch assignments to your team. How to get stretch assignments from your leadership. The behavior that has replaced work ethic as the most important element of success. How to recognize when you may be in over your head when and how to seek coaching, the difference between a leader and a mentor, and how to prep for meetings with mentors. Let's get to it. Welcome to Next in Q, the podcast for contact center and customer experience professionals. Next in Q is brought to you by Happy Two Vision. Eliminate blind spots and see right through every conversation with Happy Two Vision. Learn more at HAPPITU.com. Now, here's your host, Rob Dwyer. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Next in Q. Today, I am welcoming back an old friend, Sean. How are you? What have you been up to? I'm great. Uh, life's good. We just had Independence Day, so it's always fun to have a day off, play with the kids, and do a little bit of work. Yeah, absolutely. Just a little bit of work. Yeah. Speaking of a little bit of work, um, you know, we're going to jump right into this topic, a topic that came up based off of uh, an interaction that we had on LinkedIn from a post of yours. And I was like, hey, let's talk about this on the pod. And uh, of course, you were down for that. So here we are. And what we're going to talk about are stretch assignments. Yes. But let's make sure that everybody's on the same page. Will you do me a favor and just talk to me about what you think of when you think of a stretch assignment. What does that mean? Yeah, so I back it back until we get our annual reviews. We think about, you get your review based on how great have you performed towards your goals. So you could have personal goals, uh, KPIs that are department-wide that you have to hit, could be quotas, whatever it may be. 
And as employees, we tend to think, okay, well, here are my goals. I can be rated low or I can rate it, rate it you know, top of the line, right? And it's usually five different ratings. Well, what we forget about is there's a different axis. And that axis is typically potential. And is are you low potential, medium potential, high potential? And that typically allows you to be viewed at the company as someone who, hey, we can grow them and give them more opportunities, whether it's a promotion or it could just be a move to a different department that gives you a different scope of work. Um, as we say at Comcast, it'll round your cube, right? Where you can learn, okay, I was in retail, but now I understand tech support and now I understand a little bit of field. So you, you wanna be a person where they feel as if you're high potential. And usually the way you do that is through stretch opportunities. So these are gonna be opportunities that say, okay, I, I can stay doing what I'm doing and be successful, or I can take on an opportunity that's gonna say, hey, I want you to learn a new skill. Or if you're a leader, have to maybe take on a team who doesn't perform well. And what this is doing is it's, it's forcing you to study. It's forcing you to have to master something all over again. So they kind of stretch you to the, to the sense of, okay, it may not necessarily be a goal on your scorecard, but it does increase your ability to, to reach your potential on a different level. Yeah. You gave some great examples there. And I wonder what was the most challenging stretch opportunity that you went through? Oh man, this is tough. I, I constantly find myself in stretch opportunities and I need to stop from getting old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, you know, there's definitely two that come to mind, but I'm going to choose um, when I actually was working for a BPO in Atlanta. I left a larger BPO where let's say we were at 20,000 employees and I went to work for a smaller one that was under 500 and they had been around for 20 years. So I walk in the door, my first time as a director, came there to lead workforce, but ended up leading the operations side and workforce because I had the most experience on how to run a contact center operation, how to create scorecards, KPIs, et cetera. Um, and my leader at the time, he comes to me and he says, hey, you've done a great job on this side of the business. I would love to move you over to our Michael Kors account because Michael Kors was our biggest client. We were their only contact center provider. They didn't have an in-house one. They didn't have any other vendor partners. So we were the face of Michael Kors and, and we, they were not happy. We hadn't hit service level in two years. CSAT wasn't meeting goals. Sales quotas weren't being hit. So I get pulled into this role and, and my leader says, hey, go fix that department. And I had been stretched so many times before, but walking into an environment where there's literally fights happening on the floor, <laughs> where there's, you know, there's distrust in leadership because we had a situation where it was perceived that, hey, we had we had a tough decision. We had to cut compensation a couple of years prior. But then our CEO goes on a yacht trip, you know, for three months. It's like, wait a minute, is he using our money? Um, and then at the same time, you have poor leadership that was there before that really led with fear and never did any coaching, never did scorecards. It was if I like you, you do well. If I don't, you're out of here. So I'm coming to this environment where we're missing every KPI, tennis is horrible, attrition is horrible. And it, it, it sat me down to say, okay, how do I connect with these folks? And mind you, I'm, I'm like 28 at the time. So I'm a young director and I'm closer to the age of my employees than I am to my peers and my leader by at least 20 years. <laughs> so I'm having to say, okay, I can bridge the gap between two worlds, but I have to first learn how to get buy-in from this team. I need to learn how to set expectation, be vulnerable. So it put me in a space where I couldn't lead the way I had led before. I had to lead with the triple muscle of knowing if I don't do this right, we could lose this client, which means we could lose our business, right? Because they were our biggest client, but also how do you connect with people who've been burned? Um, and it just taught me so many different things that I just didn't imagine that I would learn at that point of point in my career. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a really great example. Thanks for sharing that. Let's talk about why we do this. And I not from why I want to get a stretch assignment, but let's talk about from management and providing these opportunities. What are some of the benefits I get when I look at members of my team and I say, I want you to do this. I know that's not your comfort zone, but I want you to give this a shot. Here's here's the assignment. What do we get out of that? Yeah, as management, when you give someone an assignment that they're not you comfortable with, maybe you don't even have all the answers to it. Um, or maybe you do and you kind of have a perception. When that person steps to that new opportunity for the first time, they get a new sin, uh, new lens of eyes, right? You have a new set of eyes. They'll see things through a different lens. So they can actually say, okay, wait, wait a minute. I've been learning this to catch up and we could do this a little bit differently. So they can actually help pull you further than you ever thought because sometimes as leaders, our, our capacity gets limited. Our scope is a little bit broader. So we can't really hone in on focus on an area. So when we can give that to somebody and allow them to figure out the best way to do it, you start seeing innovation. And then as that person starts to become more comfortable in what they're doing, that confidence builds, they get more invested. So now you have a person who I want to stick around because I want to do this more because they own the, the change, they own the process, and they can look back and say, hey, two years from now when they left this department, hey, I was a part of creating that. I created that process. My DNA is over it. So that employee is, is going to be more effective and become a champion for your department, an ambassador for bringing in more employees into the company because you just gave them an opportunity to grow in a, an area they probably didn't have confidence in. And now they've been able to build up their ability and know I can learn anything. Yeah, I love that. And I think all too often we look for experience, right? Mm -hmm. We want experience, but we do this with hiring, not yeah. just promotions, but we look for experience rather than what's the potential, what, what things could this person do based off of their existing skills and their desire to do something new. And you illustrate exactly what can happen when you give someone an opportunity where maybe they don't have experience but it can be a, a huge, huge benefit to everyone involved. Absolutely. I wonder as a person who is looking for those stretch opportunities, who isn't necessarily being identified proactively and being handed things, but, but I want them. How do I go about asking for those or trying to, to get my foot in the proverbial door to get a stretch assignment. Yeah, and there's a couple of ways you can go about it. One of my favorite ways is to find a problem. And a lot of times we as employees, including myself, we do a really good job of pointing out what's wrong. <laughs> you know, uh, hey, this should be better. This should be, you know, we should have a better solution for this. This is an issue. What we do a poor job at is having a plan of how to fix it. Um, so a lot of times your leader wants these problems to be solved, especially if they can and boost your employee morale or, or boost your customer experience. So if you can find a problem and then come up with a way to solve it and put it together, have a plan in place, it doesn't have to be fully fleshed out. So if you're thinking about like you're, you're, you're pitching your business, there's two different things. You either have a business plan, which can be hundreds of pages, or you have an executive summary, which is usually one or two pages that just break down what you're trying to get accomplished and it can help you quickly with your pitch. 
then you want to look at this as an executive summary. How can I put together something for my leader and say, hey, I found this problem. Here's how I believe we can solve it. Here are the resources I would need. I would love to take this, uh, this baton and run the play. Nine times out of 10, your leader's going to say, go for it, because you're solving a problem for them. And now you still want to set up your leader that, hey, the only thing I need from you, I want to set an expectation that I will check in with you periodically, and I may need your advice or your help getting past certain roadblocks. And at that point, now you're in a relationship where you both are trying to win together, but you're the one leading that effort. So it's possible to get those opportunities. You just have to seek them, keep your eyes open, but don't just point at the problem, have the solution. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and there are certainly leaders who will say, don't don't come to me with problems, come to me with yeah. solutions. Yes. And uh, that's a great way to go about doing it, right? Here's what I think the the potential solution is. Here's how I want to go about it. And hopefully get the get the keys to the car and and let's go on that trip. Definitely. Stretch opportunities kind of by definition mean that I don't necessarily have all of the skills or experience uh, in going in. But does that mean that I can't prepare? Oh, yeah, you just hit a button for me. This is an important <laughs> one for me. Um, if, if you know me, if any of you watch me, you've heard me before, if you're on my team, um, I'm a big believer in working hard. You know, it, it, like I take nothing away from having great work ethic and working hard. But in the year 2023, work ethic is no longer the most important thing. It's about study ethic. And what are you studying on a daily basis? Because you now have Google, Siri, ChatGPT. You have everything at your fingertips to give you information. So I remember when I first, going back, my first promotion to a director, I was so insecure. So every single morning while I'm getting ready for work, brushing my teeth, taking a shower, whatever it may be, I'm listening to podcasts, audiobooks, interviews, fireside chats, because I wanted to constantly hear the voice of leaders. I wanted to hear their perspective because as I'm listening to it, I start becoming that. My confidence raises up a little bit. I start having epiphany moments and understanding how to solve complex problems. So no matter what you're doing for those stretch opportunities, you should be studying it all the time. Take a sit, uh, sit, sit back and say, okay, let me assess. Am I, am I spending more time watching things that are just for entertainment or am I balancing it with getting things that are going to feed my mind so that when I walk in these conversations, I can be more comfortable? So, for example, AI is a new, uh, a new venture for all of us. Well, what are you doing to brush up on it? What are you doing to understand where it's going five years from now and how you can feed your mind there? So there's no excuse today. Maybe 50, 75 years ago, you needed to get an encyclopedia. You needed to have you know money to access this information. Now... Almost at any every single social economic ladder, we can all tap into information. Uh, so I just really believe you got to study. And it doesn't mean you're going to know and master everything. But what it's going to help you do is know what you need to get to the what you need in order to get to the next step. I love that. You said a phrase there that I love, feed your mind. Yeah, absolutely love that. You know, the one thing that also strikes me is when you talk about kind of all these different aspects of uh, places that we can learn from, right? And not necessarily needing to master things. One of the things that happens when you kind of take a broader approach to understanding topics 
is you start to make connections between those topics that maybe you don't get when you're going really deep into one particular topic. You can kind of see that whole playing field and that can really help you in business understand the way certain parts move together and complement mm. each other. Absolutely. Especially in tech, we see that a lot. You know, I'll use my, my department, for example, I run customer support. Then we, of course, we're, we're at the downstream of what happens with the engineering team, right? Or what happens with product. So better knowing what they're going through and what they're experiencing and what's prioritized in their sprints and in their queues helps us calm down a bit, right? But also them hearing our voice of in knowing, hey, here, here's what the customers really want us to focus on the most, then they can figure out what to prioritize better. So when you have multiple teams come together and we're actually looking at it, we can solve a bigger problem. So to your point, being a person who can kind of go a little bit higher up and say, oh, you don't have to be adversaries. Instead, you can come together and actually work as a team and help each other this way you'll actually get where you need to get 25, 50% faster because now everyone's on the same page as far as what the other person needs from the other. Yeah, I love that. All right, so part of uh, what sparked this conversation was a, a story I shared about getting in over my head. Mm -hmm. How do you know when you're in over your head and what do you do about it? Uh, you know, for me... It comes down to, are you having more negative days than positive days? And I don't mean as far as results, I mean mentally. You know, you're gonna have tough moments, tough seasons, and especially in business, it's not supposed to be a place where you, you win all the time. It's just like sports. If you wanna have a winning season, can I win 60 games, you know, and only lose 20 games? Like that's a great win there. Um, but if you're constantly finding yourself in a position where mentally you're not in a good place, your confidence is waning, you're drowning. Because I was listening to a great podcast um, with Draymond Green uh, talking about, if you know who Draymond Green is, he plays in the Golden State Warriors. He is the quarterback of that team in a sense of, he does the assists, he does the rebounds, he does the floor facilitation. Coming out of uh, college though, he was actually an elite scorer. But most of us would never know that. He was a person who was known for his scoring ability and passing, but nothing else. When he joined the Golden State Warriors and he realized, wow, I have Klay Thompson and Steph Curry. If I play a different role on this team, I can be more effective in a different way. Now I'm able to actually provide. So sometimes you have to be able to understand when you're going to pivot in that way. Um, and I just think it's important. Yeah. I'll just share the story with everyone because you you brought up sports and my example was from sports, although not as a player, as an official. So for those that don't know, I spent nearly 20 years as a baseball umpire and very, very, very early in my career when I was in my early 20s, I got my first opportunity to do a college level game. It was, it was a summer game, so it wasn't an actual uh, college game but they were college players and they were, they were way better than I was. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you talked about bad days versus good days and kind of your mental state, that game, that's exactly what I was going through. Like my mm -hmm. confidence waned as the game went on. I recognized that 
I wasn't seeing pitches the way that I needed to be able to see pitches. Both teams recognized that I was bad at this in that moment. I was not prepared for the moment and I knew it. And that it really kind of just spiraled downward and it was a horrible, horrible feeling. There weren't any wins coming during that game. Everything felt like a loss, even when, or or a a tie at best, there were were no wins. And um, while you can't just reach out for help in the middle of a game, you can actually, I mean, you have a partner on the field, but, um, it's it's really a struggle in game to make those adjustments, but you can in game make adjustments. I wasn't experienced yeah. enough to recognize that at the at the time. Can you talk about how you go about making in game adjustments and and seeking help? How do you go about seeking help when you recognize like things are just going bad without? appearing like you're just the wrong person for the job. Yeah. You know, that was a big help for me along the way, especially when I was a manager. Um, I was running a department in workforce management, living in Mexico. And at first, my team, we just had the outbound component. So no one really cared about outbound workforce. We, we ran the dialer. We did all the analytics. So we, we didn't even report into workforce management at the time. I actually reported into an operations leader. So we were in a little bit of a different vertical, but I started to notice, man, if I could get our staffing better, if I could get our planning better, we could actually have agents from where we need to have them get more contacts and more sales. We're such a sales-driven environment. So I started reaching across the aisle and saying, okay, hey, I know we're not on the, we're technically doing the same thing and we're not on the same team, but would you mind if we sat in some of your meetings, started learning from you? And there was no ego involved. You know, it's one of those things where, if we can find our weaknesses before others do, we feel a little bit more confident about it. So by me walking in those meetings and asking for help, even, hey, can we use your planning tool? Would you mind sharing that with us? And they were more than willing to help because we came in a, a, in a humble place and we showed honor and respect of where we got it from. But the key was that I understood it. I recognized it. I said, okay, this is a, this is a problem area. There will be times where you don't recognize it. And you, and you sit back and you, someone has to call it out for you. The key is understanding how do you separate your ego from the situation and understand that even the greatest players, if you look behind me, I have Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, they had coaches, you know, Muhammad Ali in the middle had coaches. The, their coaches would played at nowhere near the level they played, but they could see, hey, Michael, if you could tweak this a little bit, if you could make sure that you adjust here, if you pass here, you will be a little bit better and you'll be a better teammate. Um, so it just comes down to, for one, keeping a mindset where you're coachable but then also trying to always think, where can I be defeated? You know, where can I lose? What opportunities do I have? And not just for yourself, you lead a team, same way. How is the next team going to come in? If you, all, if you run a business, how is the next business going to put us out of business? So you want to always be looking and trying to fill those gaps. And the best way to do it is by collaborating with others who have already gotten there before you got there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that you just brought up those gentlemen behind you because I've often used that as an example of everybody needs coaching. And sometimes, particularly when you're early in your career, maybe you're on the front lines, you think of coaching as like, right, correction, like 
people just telling you what you're doing wrong and you have to fix it. And there's this stigma about sometimes coaching, but coaching isn't that. And we see this in sports at the very highest levels, whether it's the NBA, it's the NFL, it's the MLB, like whatever, like there are coaches, lots of coaches there helping the best athletes in the world continually improve and get better because as the old saying goes if you're not getting better you're getting worse right yes absolutely so i'm glad that um, we can bring coaching into this because i think coaching also is a big part of success at a stretch assignment but what if i'm in a stretch assignment and I don't feel like I'm getting coached mm. or I'm not getting the kind of feedback that I feel like I need to continue to be successful. Yeah. You know, I, I recently did a talk about this. Um, I believe at times we look at leadership wrong. And, and what I mean by that is this year alone, I probably heard five or six, seven times. I don't feel as if my leader is developing me enough. And then the first question I asked them is, well, what have you done this year within the last year that you hadn't done in your career before? And typically they can provide me one, two, three, four examples of, oh, well, I did this for the first time. I was part of this vendor launch project. Like, and I say, well, the way I, I start to perceive leadership now is that you're a direct leader because they're focused on you hitting your goals, your KPIs. Most of your focus is going to be on doing that, but about 70% of the development they give you is going to be through opportunities, not necessarily through guidance and let me walk you step by step. So if your leaders provide me with the opportunities, that's the right uh, place you want to be, the right framework. Where, what I fill in the gap with is I then go look for a mentor because a mentor they're 100% focused on you. Their only goal is that you hit your goals. They don't have to share a scorecard with you, anything. It's all about you. And 90% of what their effort is going to be on is your guidance, just giving you advice, what to do next, because they can. They will only help you with opportunities maybe 10% of the time. So you, what I look for is, okay, I have my leader. My leader gave me this opportunity. I can check in with them on progress, but I need someone else. You know what? I don't really know anything about product. Let me go ahead and see if this product manager would mind mentoring me and guiding me through this initiative I'm doing. And you can start building your war chest by grabbing different mentors or advisors who can help you along the way. Don't just depend on your direct manager because especially if it's a new opportunity, they may not even understand it as well. But the key is that they're there for you. They're checking in, but you want to also find some mentors that can help you along the way. I absolutely love that. And I think it is increasingly easy to find mentors, maybe not necessarily in your company. Uh, yeah, you yeah. may be able to find some great ones in your company, but there are all kinds of ways that you can find mentors who are not in your company, but maybe have gone through some of the very same experiences that are new to you and can provide you advice, guidance, or, or even just say, hey, you know what? When I went through that, this is how I handled it. And these were the missteps I made. And these were the successes I made. And maybe you can get something from that. And there are all kinds of communities, including just LinkedIn. Yeah. Just find all kinds of cool people on LinkedIn that are generous with their time, 
that could potentially help you take that next step in in your career. Um, let's talk about where you're finding mentors. Oh, you know, that's a good question. Um, I try to be very strategic about my mentors and kind of to fill in certain gaps that I don't have personally or try to get to a place that I want to be. Uh, for a long time, I actually didn't have any direct mentors. Um, all of mine were virtual in the sense of these were people I watched from a distance. I'd watch all their interviews, everything they did, and kind of pick up on their traits. It got to a point where I said, you know what? This is great because I'm getting the insights I want. So I have my five virtual mentors that I'm kind of building the new version of me through. But I need someone who can watch what I've done and see me directly and kind of guide me along the way. So a lot of the times... It happened through um, cross-functional partnerships where, hey, I'm supporting this department and, and the, the VP or senior vice president of that department, hey, I like what they bring to the table. I would love to get some advice from them. And then setting up these coffee sessions, these one-on-ones. But when I meet with them, I'm very intentional. I'm coming to the meeting with 10 questions, you know, where it's effortless for them. They don't have to worry about anything. We can do the pleasant pleasantries, but... I'm bringing the effort there. And, and that way they can just provide the insight. So I just make it super easy for them. Um, but to your point, LinkedIn is definitely a platform now where we have the door open to connect to so many different thought leaders within our own industries and where we want to go if we're interested in going somewhere else. So I love all the connections I'm making there. I'm a big fan of it. You know, on the reverse side, I've had several people reach out to me and say, hey, can you mentor me on LinkedIn? And I've never said no. You know, it'll get to a point one day where I'll have to say no, but the effort, when you show that effort, mentors are more than willing to set it up with you. Now, what is the cadence going to look like? What, where can I help you? You know, what are your strategic goals? You want to make sure that your mentor knows all those things. Uh, But to your point, LinkedIn is a great, great platform today to use. Yeah. I don't want uh, every one of my listeners to reach out to you to be their mentor but I do want people to know how to get in touch with you just in case they want to check you out or ask you a question. What's the best place? Is is LinkedIn the best place? Absolutely. LinkedIn for sure, Uh, uh, which is my name, Shauna Linry. I have Instagram where I use my corp dad, C-O-R-P-D-A-D. I don't post there as much as I should because I just love LinkedIn. I'm just a LinkedIn guy. but in addition, I have my website, you know, corpdad.com, C-O-R-P-D-A-D.com. Um, and I'm always available. But of course, I'm a big champion for LinkedIn. So if you see me there, go ahead and shoot me a, con- a connect and I'll go ahead and accept. Yeah, well, we'll make sure that, uh, as always, that link is in the liner notes so that you can find Sean. Man, I every time I talk to you, it's just a fun conversation. Uh, I really enjoy your company. One of these days, I'm going to have to get to the ATL and we're going to yes. hang out. Uh, whether that's in front of uh, a movie theater screen or not, I don't I don't know. Maybe, maybe we can go to a ball game or something. But Sean, yeah. thank you. Thank you so much for joining the show again. And <laughs> uh, you are not the record holder uh at two appearances i think i've got someone who's got like two and a half if we can uh, count it that way but you're on point for potentially setting the record we'll just have to figure out what that next episode is going to be 
I'll have to catch him. I'm, I'm going to catch him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Milan. Uh, Sean's after you. So, Sean, take it easy. Thank you again. Thank you. This is great. Have a good one. Next in queue is brought to you by Happy To and is produced by me, Rob Dwyer. If you enjoy this podcast, Please, by all means, subscribe and or rate this podcast in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. But more importantly, please tell just one person about this podcast. Word of mouth is the best way for people to discover new content. As always, thanks for listening.